how could one heal a marriage? Only one? How could one? And so the reason it takes one is because when one person is a reactor and the other person is a reactor, there's going to be trouble. But when one person becomes a creator and starts to create in their minds, they become a creator and the reactor continues to react. So the reactor doesn't have to change. They just have to continue to react to a creator. And that's the big change. Hey, midlifers. Welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Do you ask yourself questions like, who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I living a life I don't love? Answers to these questions and more are revealed in the new Freedom at Midlife group coaching program, where I offer you a guaranteed roadmap to your own midlife makeover. In this powerful seven-week program, you will learn the seven steps to freedom method to help you discover who you want to become, what life you want to live, and most importantly, how to get there. Instead of being lost in life, miserable in menopause, or struggling to juggle it all, you could reignite your love life, retire that dreadful job, and reinvent yourself. So if you're ready to begin your midlife journey of transformation filled with accountability, guidance, and support, then the time is now. Your midlife needs you to make a move. The Freedom at Midlife program is opening for enrollment soon with limited spots available. To be the first to know when we are open for enrollment, please join the waitlist now at freedomatmidlife.com and you will soon discover that next courageous step in creating your epic second half of life. Everyone, welcome back to the Midlife Makeover Show. Oh my gosh, we are going to have fun today. We have an awesome guest. His name is Larry Balada. Isn't that a cool name? What a great name. He is a relationship and marriage expert who helps people cope with the devastation of divorce and in many cases, prevent it altogether. Oh yeah. After enduring 27 years in a loveless marriage, Larry discovered a breakthrough that changed his life and transformed his marriage. Larry and his wife remained married for 40 years. That's amazing. Until her passing in 2019. I'm so sorry. That makes me so sad. Through live workshops, talks, and online courses, Larry continues to teach his proven, fresh approach to finding genuine happiness, transforming relationships, and regaining control over your life and mindset. Larry, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's funny. Before we started, I was thinking back of all 160 plus episodes that I have, 
my most top downloaded episodes are on divorce and menopause and weight loss. But divorce is always my number one. And I have several different types of episodes on, you know, life after divorce or dating after divorce or how to get through the divorce, but none on actually trying to save the marriage and not getting a divorce. So this is going to be a great conversation because we haven't really gone down that pathway yet. So the, the message I have is it only takes one to heal a marriage. And uh, that's difficult in the world because they can't handle the idea because they're, they're too detangled. That's their belief system. Yeah. So when they hear it only takes one to heal a marriage, they say, well, how could that be? How could one heal a marriage? Only one? How could yeah. one? And so the reason it takes one is because when one person is a reactor and the other person's a reactor, there's going to be trouble. Mm-hmm. But when one person becomes a creator that starts to create in their minds, they become a creator and the reactor continues to react. So the reactor doesn't have to change. They just have to continue to react to a creator. And that's the big change. Interesting. Big creator yeah. And is, was it Einstein that said you can't solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's what makes me think about, right? Because like you have to change yourself. You have to change your thinking, your beliefs your reactions, like all of that stuff, you have to, and you're so right. You have to change yourself first. You, as a matter of fact, I read on your website where it is, it says, save your marriage without your spouse's cooperation. You can't force someone to stay. You can't make anyone do anything, but you can dramatically shift the dynamic of your relationship with the right skills to control anxiety, deal with grief and feel better personally. Once you're no longer dependent on others to make you happy, yes, I so agree, everything changes. Yeah, so I call them pinballs. So the two reactors that are married, the reason they're having trouble is they're both reacting. So person A reacts to person B, person mm-hmm. B, person A did. So if that continues, they're not going to be able to survive in their life. But if one yep. of them becomes a creator, that creator now starts to think differently, starts to feel differently, starts to give out a different vibration. And the thing I know about reactors, they're very tuned into vibration. They can pick up vibration and suddenly go, oh, I know what this means. And they literally yeah. pick up vibration and decide everything. They decide how to react, decide what to think, decide what to say, and they don't even have to have a conversation because they're reacting to, to energy. And so that's really why it takes one to heal a marriage because one person becomes a creator and that's really the new news in the, in the relationship. And so while the one person like, like the woman is leaving, let's say, and, and the man becomes the creator, the man starts to change his energy and he changes it so thoroughly and so dramatically that she has to kind of stop and say, well, is this real or is this fake? And so right. that's the question. Is this real or is this fake? And so she starts to read the vibration she starts to read the energy with her reactor system. And when she realizes, oh my God, this is not, this is not fake. Well, what, what is now she starts to think differently. She starts to feel differently. She starts to pick up different vibration and different energies. And she starts to conclude, well, maybe you're not what I thought you were, or maybe you're not as big a threat as I thought you were, Mm -hmm. or, or maybe you're not the father I thought you were, you know? And so what happens to men is men become their fathers. They become the worst of their fathers. That's why they end up in divorces because they become the worst of their fathers. 
And so all the, 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 the I've seen, seen this for 15 years, over and over and over again, guys become the worst of their fathers. So what they do is they get married, they're all happy, and they stay happy for a year or whatever. And, and then after two years and kids and three years, they start to just go into a trance. And that trance, the enter of their father, the father enters their life and starts to tell them, this is the way you do this. This is the way you do this. And if they're not what I call a bucker, B-U-C-K-E-R, if they're not a bucker fighting the father's message, then they become an always person and always do what dad always did. And so that's yeah. how they fall asleep and end up in divorces. And the women- Yeah, wow, so true. To, they're just trying to survive and trying to be happy. And they don't, don't know what they're doing, but they're, they just got to leave. That's how they decide. I'll fix this by leaving. Yeah, I I was watching your video. I think it was on your about page, which everyone out there, I highly recommend watching it because it's it's a good little video. It's only like five minutes long, but it was it's your story and how after three days of you and your wife being in a fight, and then and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think she she came to you was like, oh my gosh, I'm them them meaning her parents. Like she had this connection of like, oh crap. Like I'm behaving the way my parents, you know, behaved, whether maybe with her or with each other. And, you know, it's fascinating as children that, I mean, we have these brains up here. They're sponges when we're kids. And I think I'd read somewhere that that we basically, our subconscious is, is built, if you will, by the time you're seven. Mm-hmm. And so you've absorbed everything and not that like, I mean, when you're four, five, six, seven years old, it's not like you're going, hmm, I'm not going to take that, you know, bad habit in and I'm not going to take that. And you're just absorbing it. Like you don't really have the control of it. You're just absorbing, absorbing, and you're watching, you're seeing, you're feeling. And then, then you wake up and you're, you know, 57 someday and you're like, Oh my God, how did I end up here? Like what happened? And why am I acting this way? And and you realize that a lot of what you have learned is from your parents, which they learned from their parents, and so on and so on. So I have an Indian woman in my course. Mm. And what is in our arranged marriage. Yep. And so after 24 years, the arranged marriage falls apart. Now it falls apart because her husband becomes very, very discontent because he starts taking on Western ways. And uh, in the Western ways, he starts to say, well, geez, I didn't get to date. I didn't get to, you know, right? And so she's starting to ask about her own energy. And she starts to think about, well, she starts telling me about her childhood story. And she said, well, when I was a little girl, I was raised with old boys and I had to really stand out and make my mark in the family. And the only way I could do that is, is to show myself to be different and mm. to you know be proud of what I was. And so she disgu- discovered that in what I call it, the child decision. She made the child decision, which is, I am going to prove myself. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to prove myself. And she did that at eight years old. And so after making that decision in that Indian family, she suddenly became stronger than her mother and her mother, which was telling her, do task of a woman. <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. her mother was telling and so she became a doctor and she became very accomplished and she married this guy and he became very threatened by her. And so when he became so threatened, she didn't know why she was threatened because she didn't think she was putting out anything, but we're broadcasting the energy of our childhood all the time. And that yeah. energy, I'm going to prove myself. And that's a simple yeah. statement. 
you know, I've got this thing called golden book exercises. And yeah. so what you do with a golden book exercise is you find a little phrase, which is a childlike title. So uh, one woman came up with a uh, the title, the wooden spoon. And what the wooden spoon is, is that every time that the mother got upset or didn't like what the children were doing, she shook the drawer that had the wooden spoon in it. And the wooden spoon was the threat of being hit. And so afraid of the drawer with the wooden spoon because that's what she was terrified of. So that's that that was a fear. How did that play out, if you know, in her relationship? Uh, well, so anything that was a perceived threat mm. lived on that. She just... she lived on that. Yes. So if something came, you know, with her husband that was was any any wooden spoon like thing, you yep. know, like like a belt, mm-hmm. like uh, like a gun, <laughs> like, yep. like yep. anything that entered her world that was very wooden spoon like, she would freeze up and get really Trigger. nervous. And after that, that freeze up, she became controlled by the fear of the wooden spoon. So the as I look at the Golden Book stories, they're all like that. The, so yeah. what a Golden Book is, the Golden Book is made by the Golden Book company that made the little children books. And so what you do is you draw yourself a square, make the squiggly lines on the side to indicate it's the Golden Child Book, and then you give it a childlike title. So looking like stupid would be a childlike title, right? Mm. So whatever your memory contains, you simplify it into a childlike title. And you come up with golden books, two, six, 25, 35, you know. So when you publish the stories to yourself on paper, you are literally publishing your childhood. And when yeah. your child is published, uh. loses this power. And it yep. doesn't have so much power now because they're in these little golden books. Oh, so that's, that's so that's so creative. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm starting to think of my own. I'm like, what would mine be called? You know, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes, but the key is to make it very simple title. So when yeah, you make and really, it- it's like those those titles are connected to the belief system. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and limiting beliefs. That's right. So prove yourself is prove myself became that Indian woman's childlike title. Prove myself. So prove myself became a whole story. So if you open up the golden book, there will be a whole story about why you have to prove yourself. She grew up in a family full of boys and the father was very dominant and the mother was very submissive. So now it's it's definitely a male family and it's, and she's got to succeed in the male family. So she makes the child decision and in in her own words, I'm going to prove myself. And so that's what she kept. And she kept it so long. She forgot about it until she told me the story. And she said, Oh my gosh. So that's a story. So that's, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm living that way still. And yeah, and your husband's still picking up the energy from you while he's divorcing you. Yeah. He's divorcing and he's picking up the energy because she's wondering why is he so hostile for so long? Mm-hmm. How could he be so hostile for so long? And yeah. so that's what I was doing it. The energy of prove myself. Yeah. And you're telling the story, whether you realize it or not, right? That's part of the subconscious and you're just even through your actions and your behaviors and all of that. It's like you're you're basically telling your story all the time. Well, we don't think of it as telling a story because we yeah. think use words. Mm-hmm. But the, the energy that goes out is yeah. it's right. a story in energy and everybody can feel it. And so yeah. why it takes one to heal a marriage is because you become the creator and your creator now is telling the story. Like if you looked up your your if you created your your golden book stories, uh, you would have all the stories that you can see in your your daily life. 
you can see yourself becoming those stories in your daily life and realizing, I don't like that. I don't want to be yeah. that way. And then now that it's drawn out in a little golden book with a very simple title, you're, you're now, oh, there's there's that abandonment story. You know, yeah. there's that anger story. There's that frustration story, right? So because yeah. what is the title and the energy? The title and the energy, that's how the, you will lay out your stories. The title mm -hmm. and the, the energy that actually governs it. What so about you? What was what was your uh, golden book, your main golden book feature story for you? Make them happy. And that, that's what my, I had a mother and father that were an enter, entertainers. And so as entertainers, they had to entertain. And so they were making everybody else happy. I saw that. And so that was my story. Make them happy. Mm, people pleasers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's the name. That's the name it became. It, was, it became people pleasers. Wow. And I, it generated books like No, no More Mr. Nice Guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mine would be, I would say my story title would be You're Not Good Enough. Oh, that's a very famous story. Oh, that's a famous one. I know. I know. I was trying to think of something else that was a little but bit But you know what? When, when people take you're not good enough and yeah. they become very determined to undo it, yep. they become very successful in everything they're doing because yep. that that you're not good enough is driving them and they're 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 running from it and it's chasing them. Yep. It's almost like it's chasing them to say, you're not good enough. Oh, yes, I'm going to show you I am. <laughs> so that's yep. because. Actually, I think I'll make that the subtitle. Mine would be Left Behind. Oh, okay. Yeah, what? with the school bus on the front. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a visual person, you know? Yeah. That's such a great thing to do, though. And because I guess the main thing is to bring awareness to it, to make you stop and think, what is it that if you go back to your childhood that, you're, that you've picked up and you've brought into your other relationships? Yeah, the key is simplifying the title. That's a lot of people mm -hmm. find it difficult because they tell a, a long story with, you know, a thousand words, and now they can't condense the, the story into a, a childlike title. But you have to think childlike about what happened to you. You know, what happened to you? You know, what happened to uh, the most famous story of Oprah, right? What, what, is, Oprah's, what is Oprah's story, you know? And, yeah. and you, you can, like, read her story and come up with childlike titles for Oprah's story, right? Uh, yeah. Because she has, you know, traumatic pieces yeah. to her story, you know, like picked up and and moved and and all these these. Yeah. Things. I read her book years ago. It was really good. So then, once you identify your your childhood story, how do you write a new story? So the new story becomes the story you want. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you make the story you want, you have to start at your childhood. And so when I when I start with childhood, I ask, I call it the, my main message, mm -hmm. and my main message is the message that is the most painful message from your father, and the most main, painful message from your mother. Mm -hmm. And so the most painful message from your father could be something like you're not good enough. It's, and and the people when when I ask, you know, tell me the story of, of what one line would would really sum up your father's message, or the most painful message your mm -hmm. father. And so they come up with it. And then they hear it and they start to hear themselves say it. And when they start to say the story, they start to say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that was it. You know, that, that's yeah. the most dramatic story. And then I switched to the mother. I said, tell me your, mo your mother's most painful message. And, uh, you know, stop it. You're bothering me. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's a child, child, most painful story. So now that I've got the two, the mom and dad stories, I say, well, 
It turns out that your childhood wasn't made up of one horrible father, one horrible mother. They had a moment or moments when they actually did the opposite. They did fabulous things. And so now it's time to tell that story. And so tell the most fabulous story of your dad where you felt loved, where you felt, you know, special and identified as unique and you mattered, right? When was that moment? And so some people who have really, really bad childhoods, right? But they might come up with a little single thing like, you know, like, you know, here's some money, you earned it, right? So, so the father threw money at him and said, you earned it, right? So that's his story. So his line is, you earned it. And that's Mm -hmm. his father's story. So that becomes the replacement. You Mm -hmm. earn it. Or the mother's replacement story is, I love you after all. All right, and that's a statement the mother made. So yeah. now you earned it, and I love you after all, becomes the replacement story. And so that's the story they're telling now, the new story they're telling. And they're anchored in childhood. And because yes. they're anchored in childhood, it has power. That, yeah. you know, making up a story out of nothing doesn't have power. But mm-hmm. if you anchor it to your childhood, it does have power. Yeah. And now, I mean, I think it's been around for, what, 30 years that they've proven, yes, you can rewire the brain, which means you can rewire your thoughts and your beliefs. And so with neuroplasticity, yeah, you're actually creating new neural pathways. And it's... That's the brain that changes yep. itself. Book. Yep. The yeah. Yeah. Neuroplasticity. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. And I mean, I'm living proof. Because I had to, like, when I I was telling you before we hit record about my midlife meltdown, and I had to take a, yeah, I mean, I had stacks of those damn golden books. I had to read through. I was like, holy moly, I got a lot of work to do. But, but it was good though too. It was it was tough, but it was good because as I was uncovering even some of those really traumatic things that you sometimes just don't even want to look at anymore or feel anymore. But once you do and you really, really get down to the core of it, like, oh, wait a minute. So I can change the story. I don't have to believe that Wendy will always be left behind. Yeah. 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 Or that I am good enough. And it's constantly, not constantly, but just about, you have to be, I feel, really mindful of what, of that ticker tape of thoughts going across in your mind all the time. And once you... Storm. What do you call it? Thought storm? Thought storm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like, thought storm that comes in from the subconscious and it just pelts you like rain. <laughs> I know. And then, like, once you really pay attention to it, then you realize how you speak to yourself, like, the in, in how you might be thinking about others. And it's really like stopping that thought and going, wait a minute, let me change this. Into yes, of course I'm good enough. I'm beyond good enough. I am love. I am light. I am amazing. I'm a miracle. And and then you move on with throughout your day. But the more you do it, right? Like your brain learns it. You learn it. Then you start to act and behave like that. Are there sights, sounds, or smells that remind you of a past traumatic event, causing you to fight, flight, or freeze? These physical and emotional responses are called triggers. And they happen to all of us. Triggers can be tricky, but the key is to stop the trigger in its tracks and turn the trigger into a treasure. Just like Dr. Nicole LaPera said, there's nothing negative about being triggered. It's a calling to heal our wounds. 
To help you heal those wounds, I created a free download called the Trigger to Treasure Technique, where you will learn the four steps on how to identify your triggers, how to control your triggers, and how you can move past your past so you can live peacefully in the present moment. Please go to wendyvalentine.com forward slash trigger to receive your free download and you can begin to turn your triggers into treasures. So the, the job you have, especially in the, in the final thing where people are really getting close to uh, clearing up a lot of this stuff from the past, they find out that forgiveness is really what they need to get to. And so I, I, I coined this phrase, quantum forgiveness, quantum forgiveness, which is based on quantum physics, uh, which says that, that there isn't really a world here. There's a hologram of a world, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we say is the, my parents did what they did because they didn't know any better. Yeah. So that's kind of gets you in the neighborhood. And then you say, we are good, pure and innocent, all is forgiven and released. And when you say those three statements together, you're saying quantum forgiveness because quantum forgiveness says at the at the level of the electron, we are all one. Yeah. Before we start to come up into these shapes and forms that we start to look like we're all separate, but we're all one at the quantum level. So quantum forgiveness is we are good, pureness, and all is forgiven and released. And and so I used to do that, you know, before my wife died because it was very mm. hard in the last years. And mm. so I would say that over and over again. We are good, pureness, and all is forgiven and released. And it had the effect of relieving, giving me relief from the pressure, pressure that that was happening. When it was creating the pressure, you know, when you're, you're, you're with a sick person, uh, you're not going to do very well. You're not at your best. They're not at their best, et cetera. Yeah. So saying the, the quantum forgiveness statement is, a, is really helpful to relieving yourself from the pressure that you're in in the moment. And that's the key. You say it in the, to yourself. Oh, I love that. I want you to send that to me so I can remember it. It kind of reminds me of, I can't remember the name. It's like a Hawaiian. That's Ho'oponopono. Yes, yes, yeah, that one. I knew it was, I knew I would have messed it up. I would have, but <laughs> I used to have that written down. I would say that every day. And it's interesting because as you do send love and light to others, you just feel good. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, Dr. Hugh Len, he goes into a mental mm-hmm. institution and he says it alone. And the reason he said it alone is he, he said, I did what they did because I am them. And so mm-hmm. he, everybody here is here, but are really me. Yeah. So I'm actually looking at myself. And so what he was saying is, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Those are the words of Ho'oponopono. And so he says those over and over and over again while he's looking at these criminals' files. Because these yeah. are clearly insane, not only criminal, but also insane, right? Yeah. And so Joe, Joe, uh, who did I say Joe Dispenza? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Dispenza. I know him. Yeah. No, no not Joe Dispenza. Um, <laughs> so I forgot his name, but, but he yeah. called Zero Limits. He called his book Zero Limits. And so Zero Limits spells out the story of Dr. Hugh Len and what he did to empty out the mental institution and closed it in Hawaii. Right. So like, wow, that's a that's an astounding thing. But he didn't do what conventional logic requires. Conventional logic would require him to visit patients and all this thing. Yeah. He did none of those things. He stayed inside his office and he kept literally saying, They are me. And that's why he was saying, I love you. Please forgive me. Sorry, thank you. Wow. Right? 
That's that goes to show the power of energy, right? Yeah, and is, thoughts, thoughts and prayer and energy. And so we're, what we're looking for, we're looking for a way to change our three-dimensional world. And yeah. we find anything we can find that, that changes our three-dimensional world, we're thinking, wow, did thought do that? Because mm-hmm. what the general world says is the body and the voice change everything. Mm-hmm. The body and the voice does it. Nothing else does it. No. But the truth is, energy does it. Energy yeah. makes the change. And so that's very hard for people in divorces to even comprehend that. Like, energy? Changing that? I know, right? It's like, okay, that's a little goofy. But <laughs> you know what, though? If Joe could do that with an entire mental institution, surely everyone out there can do that for their just one, you know, one person in their relationship, right? I mean, it goes to show again, it's like the power of your own energy and and owning that and being mindful and, and, and I mean, and what's the worst that could happen, right? Like you do all this work on yourself and you become a happier person. Like, it's non-destructive so- testing, Wendy. Non-destructive testing, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, if the relationship did happen to end and, you, and you're just a happier, you know, man or woman out there, then that is great. Yes. Because, and here's the thing too, you're breaking the cycle. Mm-hmm. Because maybe some of the habits and behaviors that you've picked up have been going on for centuries. Who yeah. knows? Many, many lifetimes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I connect the dots going back, like I can see like with my mom, how she was, how her mom was, and then my dad and his, I mean, it's really, really interesting. And I, I mean, thankfully, I mean, I didn't do it as young as uh, the one lady, but even in my probably mid twenties, there were some behaviors. I was like, Ooh, I'm acting how he or she is used to act with me. And I don't like that. Like, I, I'm not going to do that with my kids. Are you familiar with Dolores Cannon? I've heard of her. Dolores Cannon interviews people under deep hypnosis. And <laughs> people speak. And they speak. And they talk about between lives. And so her book, particular book, because she's written many, uh, the book is Between Death and Life. And so in Between Death and Life, you realize, oh, we're living many lifetimes. Yeah. And because we're living many lifetimes, what happens between lifetimes? Well, it turns out the soul is in between lifetimes and the soul is trying to figure out what am I going to do to deal with this karma I have, this yep. karmic debt I have from past lifetimes. And so mm-hmm. then you start to get this big perspective that, that she gives in, in between death and life. Uh, it's a real think piece. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's really a lot. Because what she does is she she does her voice and she does another person. Uh, giving the voice of the person under hypnosis, and then another person, which is their soul speaking and dealing with the the guides and all these things. So yeah. it's a real, a real like, wow, is that really what we're here for? <laughs> we're here yeah, for- I know. <laughs> yeah, I actually did a ketamine journey. I did two of them just to get to that one piece of my past that I couldn't quite get to. To get back to the true Wendy. And it worked, thankfully. I mean, there's, I've done EMDR. I've done all, you know, read all the books and meditation and good golly. I mean, I've done it all. And sometimes it is a certain method or something that might finally, you know, unlock that door. So you can go like, oh, okay, I can breathe now. I finally let go of that. 
And even it's like, I feel, even if you think about it rationally, like, okay, I know that wasn't right. And I know that I don't want to think that way or act that way or feel that way. But sometimes it's so deep down in there, you just can't break free from it. Yeah. Speaking of deep down. So Mm -hmm. of course, I have a men's course and a women's course. Mm -hmm. And so the women are married to men who came from troubled childhoods where there was abandonment, abuse, and neglect. Yeah. And so that is very traumatizing. And so what they do is they live in these wonderful lives. And the, typically the reason they're wonderful lives is because the men they marry are very, very good. And they're mm. really wonderful and really caring. And yeah. then all of a sudden, between 35 and 45, sometimes even 50, they snap. And the reason they snap is this subterranean subconscious personality comes and takes them over and they literally give up and give the body over to this personality. And this is not the man I married is what they said. And so it's a really traumatic thing to say, like, here were you, come on, 20 years, you were this good. And now you're not. And now you're over. All the things you were supposed to do, you didn't, everything you you, like, you smoked, you didn't smoke. And now you're smoking. Now all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So you have, you used to go to church. Now you won't go to, you won't go near it. Yeah. So it's a dramatic change. That's what midlife crisis does. Midlife yeah. Crisis. Where's this person coming from? Well, this person is not the person you married. This person is a another personality. I have a dramatic story. A woman in my course, she has a husband who was a tuba player and dedicated in the orchestra to the tuba. And so he had a lot of tubas, like 10 of them. And he had a room full of them, right? And so this guy was was possessed by this altered personality. And so one time he came over to the house for a uh, their son's uh, engagement. And so a guest said, hey, what does a tuba look like? He asked the, this, this guy, her husband. And, and the husband says, I don't know. <laughs> so, so the guy didn't know. And the reason that he didn't know is because he was not the guy who played the tuba. This other yeah. person was there. And wow. they didn't know what the tuba was. And that was a really dramatic illustration. When you're yeah. taken over, you're really taken over by yeah. a person who is not yourself. Yeah, it's almost like you go back. I mean, like you regress. Well, yeah. no, we, we would say we, we regress. But if you look at Dr. Dr. Schwartz, wrote No Bad Parts, he says that all those parts of the mind are really different parts, complete yeah. personalities. Mm. And so... What I theorize is that one of those personalities that's the strongest will literally take that person over when they get and they get, can't manage the body anymore. They will give up and that, that personality will take them over. And that's who you're seeing. And yeah. so the tuba story was like really dramatic. You know, <laughs> she cleaned out a room full of tubas. <laughs> that's the day that he comes over. Right after the room is cleaned from tubas, <laughs> she, he, some of the guests ask, oh, what's a tuba look like? He said, I don't know. I just yeah. spent I just spent 25 years with a tuba, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. You know, it's, uh, it's so interesting that here it is. For, I mean, the main topic of our episode is about saving the marriage, but really it's you're saving yourself. That's exactly right. Yeah. And yes. then I would think too, once you save yourself, then you have to kind of let go of the outcome of whether or not your partner's like, woohoo, yes. You know that, you know that, yeah. but I have people in my course who don't know that. 
Yeah. Yeah. They didn't know that. Yeah. They're still clinging. Yeah. And the way you save yourself and you saving yourself is really the job of realizing something's not right here. There's something's not right in this makeup that I have. Mm -hmm. Everything I believe in, everything I'm holding on to, maybe there's something not right here. And so, so that's what my course is all about is finding out what is in here in me because there's nobody out there. It's in here. Mm-hmm. And so the way I perceive everything is the way I perceive everything in here. And so the mind is like, who understands the mind? You know, you yeah. just don't, nobody can understand the mind. Like yeah. we understand the brain maybe, but we don't understand the mind. And yeah. physicists say that the mind is translated by the brain. And I like that, that story. The mind mm. is translated by the brain. So the brain's complexity and its, its vast complication is built for translating the mind into mm. the world. So that I think big. about that more. <laughs> you know, the brain is a translation device. <laughs> I like that. It is, right? Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Who's ever seen a mind? There's no way to see a I mind. I know. <laughs> you might try to see mine, but it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Well, we always try the brain because that's what we know. That's, that's what we know. It's a part of so your course, is it is an evergreen course? You can take it any time. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So so the, the I finished the course uh, in 2012. Mm. And so people have been taking that course and it's always been the same course. And then years, I've been adding ideas that I keep yep. on adding to the course. So the course is the bedrock course that has mm. the tools and the explanations. It's a video course, by the way. So people take the video course and then, and in addition to that course, there's a, the live calls that I do every week. And then there's the people who talk to each other and teach each other their course understanding. But the whole thing is if you're in the women's course, you're in a course with a lot of women who are very positive mm-hmm. and they're all strong women. They're yeah. not soft women. They're strong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, I don't know what it is about my message, but the, the soft women quit. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'm out. I can't handle this. <laughs> they do. The strong women stay. And so yeah. there's a community of strong women here. And and what they have in common is they're all married to chaos kids. And that's mm-hmm. why I call them chaos kids. Now, the chaos kids are the kids with those troubled childhoods where they go into these midlife crises and change personalities. Yeah. They're like acting they're, out. They're having a little temper, tan- temper yeah. tantrum. Yeah. We, <laughs> we'll try to identify it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had mine. I'm looking back. I'm like, yeah, I probably had my own little temper tantrum when like little Wendy was coming out going, God dang it, somebody pay attention to me. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what, so you've done inner child work. Yep. A lot. Mm-hmm. Of a As, lot. Like so, so much so that I was like, I'm done with this thing. Good. So so you have an inner child like at 18 months old. You have an inner child at eight years old and an inner child at 11 years old. Whenever these traumatic things happen, you end up with a permanent imprint of that child in that state, and they think nothing's happened, and it's still this way, and it yep. keeps happening over and over again, like Groundhog Day. And so, mm-hmm. this younger one, this little older one, a little older one. So you have three Wendy's you have to deal with. Yeah, that's Your a child. lot, you guys. <laughs> you got a parent then. You got a parent. A lot of Wendy's in there. But that's that's why life is so complicated, because we got all these children down there. That are yeah. in our lives and telling us what everything means. And we're, we're getting our meaning from children is what we're doing. So, I know, so, right? 
Yeah. The, the kids are running the show, <laughs> even in your 50s and 60s. Like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Richard yeah. Schwartz, he said, ask the child how old you are. And, and the child does not know how old you are because the child is stuck in time. Yeah. Stuck in that age where that mm. traumatic. And they yeah. can't tell. And they don't know how old you are. <laughs> don't you realize <laughs> I've become a doctor? You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. I have a PhD for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy just playing in the mud. Little Wendy's like, <laughs> So where can we find you, Larry? So LarryBellotta.com is the place where all my stuff is. And so that's just L-A-R-R-Y-B-I-L-O-T-T-A.com. And if you go there, everything is connected to that somehow. So all the yep. stories and, and all the things to read and see and, and the YouTubes and all that is there. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like it's a course that everybody should take, whether they're having, whether they're in a relationship or not, or having problems in a relationship, it's something that everyone should do. One time I had an army colonel who was a chaplain. Uh, and he said, I want to take your course and see what it's about. So he takes the course, but he has no interest in it. And he gives up on the course right away. And the reason why is because he was so happy with his wife that he couldn't learn anything. <laughs> he couldn't learn anything. He couldn't <laughs> learn because he wasn't in pain. He wasn't hurting. He was trying to learn it like from a left brain perspective. And so yeah. he was like, analyzing it and he couldn't learn. And his wife didn't have an interest in it because she wasn't in pain. And so there was no reason. So he couldn't he couldn't do it. So I always say people don't learn when they're not happy. When when yep. they're not when they are happy, they will not learn anything. That's yeah. so my little joke is if your husband came back to you today and said, I'm so sorry for what I did, you would mm. drop this course right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Back. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I, I feel like we, we learn a lot about ourselves through relationships. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Relationship. So, so I just fell in love and I fell in love with a girl that I wrote about. Like I, in 2020, I wrote a story about her wow. and I described her, described her family, described her qualities, described her interests. And, and it took three years to show up. And uh, we met on a hike, you know, in the old fashioned way. And so now that I have a love interest that, that we have, I'm realizing, wow, you don't learn anything without this, without this love relationship. You can't learn anything. Cause I, I spent three years alone. Yep. I'm thinking, oh, life is easy. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's like the the relationship is the is the training, you know, it's the battleground. Like that's what you need it. And I was the same way. Like I was alone for a few years. I was like, man, well, I'm bored. Like, like yeah. yeah, I need something to activate and deactivate this little child, you know, having a temper tantrum. <laughs> so, so Richard Schwartz, the, the the author of No Bad Parts, he calls mm -hmm. them mentors, T-O-R-M-E-N-T-O-R. Tormentor. So tormented. you're 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 being tormented by yep. a person who's also a mentor. And yeah. And so yeah. that's really good description of tormentor. That's really good because then that's the purpose behind getting connected with that and 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 even having to unfortunately revisit some of that, you know, those traumatic experiences like I had to do. Yes. But it was so worth it. Yes, it was. And now it's like I feel once you're able to move 
past it and really heal from it. You're able to tell the stories. If you had to tell the stories, you'd be able to tell it like as if it was somebody else's story. Mm-hmm. And you're not like emotionally, you know, drained by it. That's because you're not attached to it yep. anymore. Exactly. And you're now not attached to it, are you? No. I actually look at it or, I, I, you know, if I were to like picture it again, very visual, I'm like, oh, like that poor little girl, but she's all right now, you know? Yes. So you're taking care of all the Wendy's, you're saying. Yep. And it's <laughs> a lot of work, y'all. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. So, um, yeah. you know, you're a, you're a very happy-go-lucky person. And I'm thinking, like, am I going to come on Winnie's show and talk about a midlife crisis and how bad it is and how dark it is? And <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, man. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, no, it's a midlife awakening. Like, midlife is the bomb, you know? Like, and when those, like, Poor mentors really come out like, ah, greet them and go, yeah, all right, let's do this. Like, because I got a whole rest of my life to live. That's great. Yeah. Good thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. So yeah, LarryBalada.com. And then are you, you're on social media too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Look, I'm sure Larry Balada as well. Thanks. Thanks to my daughter. I'm on social media, but I would be on social media. You wouldn't be anybody if you're not on there. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. And and everyone, go check out his website. Get on his course and and uh, go meet your tour mentors. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change, or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one. You can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.